Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. The title is Concerning Patriotism, A Faithful Christian's Guide to Loving Your Country. And this is a pastoral moment, okay? This is me as your pastor speaking to you about something that I think is important, and um, we're just going to dive in. So we're going to start with a couple of scriptures to help frame where I want to encourage us to be as we consider being a faithful Christian and loving our country. So in Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 39, we read, One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law And all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And then in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am always, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray for your anointing this morning and for our ears and minds and hearts to be open to hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, these two passages of Scripture are known as the greatest commandment and the great commission. Um, For today, it's interesting, and you've heard these many, many times. Uh, from me, from in this, in this sanctuary, you have heard these verses. You've probably heard them from other Bible teachers and, and preachers that you listen to. Uh, but for today, it's n- interesting to me to note that in Matthew 22, how this question came to Jesus was from an expert in the law an expert in religious law, an expert in someone who wanted to figure out how stuff was supposed to work (laughs) and how people are supposed to live and how the right way to do things is, okay? And And Jesus' response is, 
love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then in Matthew 28, the context of the commission starts with Jesus declaring, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. It is in the context of authority. It is in the context of the correct hierarchy of the way things are supposed to be. And so that's an interesting thing for us to keep in mind as I am going through today's talk. This Tuesday is Election Day in the United States, and this Friday is Veterans Day. It's a holiday to honor and show gratitude for all men and women who have served in our armed forces. And so to our veterans that are represented in our congregation, I want to say thank you for your service. It is a traditional time this season right now in early November to engage in patriotic duty and recognitions. In recent years, I have become concerned about a thing called Christian nationalism and its impact on our society and on the church. Uh, through my master's program, I have researched Christian nationalism more thoroughly. And I remain convinced that as your pastor, I must warn us to steer clear of this ideology. But that does not mean that we should not be patriotic or love our country. So I just want to give this pastoral talk today to encourage us in navigating the differences between proper love of country and patriotism as opposed to idolatry and Christian nationalism. Now, it's natural for us to love our country. And I'm going to be sharing in a few moments uh, some things that, about loving our country. It's natural to love your part of the country. So anybody that grew up in uh, the South has certain elements that, that are kind of part of their thing. If they grew up in New York, they got their thing that's their, their part of their thing. If you grew up right here in the Mid-Atlantic or D.C., you got your thing. It is natural for that to be part of who you are. We experience life through the lens of our upbringing and our country impacts our identity, our purpose, and our formation. This is natural, and it is um, perhaps even biblical. <laughs> there, another study I've done is uh, regarding how God scattered people at the Tower of Babel and how he purposely moved us out in so that we would not um, get into a wrong way of approaching God. And, and, and we are broken people, and there is no perfect nation out there, okay? But we are each where we are. And in, in the book of Acts, Paul said that God himself has 
ordain the times and the places where each of us will be um, born and be living. And so this is, this is right, okay? So I love America. But what does that mean <laughs> when I say that? Uh, I was already preparing for this message uh, when I received an invitation to a talk that was presented by the Trinity Forum. It was this past Friday, and the topic was how to be a patriotic Christian. That was the name of the thing, and I'm like, okay, I need to listen to that. And the plus, the presenters were two authors that were included in my research, and so I was really clean, keen to listen to them, Paul Miller and Richard Mao. So I have posted that resource on our website, and that link will be there if that is of interest to you to listen to that talk. But a couple of concepts from there. This idea of love of country, loving America um, specifically, goes to something deeper than, um, he used the word civic kinship. There's, there's this sense of belonging. And, and, and he said that when people fall in love with America, they're not falling in love with the DMV. Or the zoning department, or or some other bureaucratic reality of the government, or something like that. What when we say we love our country, we're talking about we love the natural beauty, we love the stories of the past, we love um, the the reality of of the. This was a place that many came to find freedom or were fleeing persecution or, or to make a better way for their family. We love the idealism that this nation was founded on and that Dr. King promoted even during the Civil Rights Movement. And, and, the, and we love that part of our country. It's, it's, it's that idealism. It's that beauty, the natural beauty. Uh, when, I, when I think about loving our country, I, I, I love the places I've, gone to, I've gotten to see. I, I've gotten to see the Grand Canyon. I've gotten to see the plains. I've gotten to see the oceans and uh, rivers and mountains. And that, you know, there's just so much beauty that that is a part of what we mean when we say we love our country. But it's important that we have our loves properly ordered. This is an understanding that came from Augustine. He talked about having our affections ordered properly. And, and one of the um, speakers on Friday said, because America is so good in so many ways, it is tempting to idolize it. C.S. Lewis said that, when love of nation becomes greater than love of God, then it becomes a demon. Nationalism leads to oppression and illiberalism. Now, people are um, asking about that word. What does it mean to be illiberal? Because I don't want nobody calling me a liberal. You know, and, and it's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the, the concepts that were that were primary at the time of the founding of our nation, of a liberalism of, of uh, all people being created equal, that kind of, of, of freedom being offered. Now, I can't remember if, I may, if it made it into my notes, but one of the things to, 
think about is the beauty of our founding documents and the disconnect that was going on at the same time. And having just come from a plantation that was functioning by slavery in the 1600s forward, so 1600s, not 1700s, 1600s forward, um, you see that as beautiful as the language was and as inspiring and as, as what we, the idealism of it, that we want that ideal, that even from the beginning, we weren't meeting up to the ideal, okay? So when I'm talking about that, I'm not disregarding that reality, okay? But here's the thing. Um, we're not the only ones that love our country. And we, not all of us are from America in our small congregation. And so I put out a little feeler to some of our congregation that are not from America to learn what is it they love about their country. And so I just want to share a couple of those things with you. So Danya shared with me, what does she love about, one of the things she loves the most about her country is the way that people will set up a special table outside when it is time for the evening dinner. And everybody has tables set up outside so that there is a way for the social connection to happen up and down and through the neighborhood. And that this is a cultural reality that she misses uh, from her home. And, and that is just a beautiful thing that people do. Then she was sharing with me just some things from her home church where her brother is a pastor. And, and the reality of how even this last Friday, the, a prayer meeting, and that they have prayer meetings that are all night long. If I was to say, hey, um, uh, let's come here and be here Friday, and, and we're, gonna, we're not going to sleep, we're going to pray all night long. Uh, our country's not, we're not quite culturally ready for that, are we? And so, uh, but that is something that she experiences in her country and loves it. I also heard from Marcel, and I want to share, I'm just going to read what she sent me. It's so beautiful. The love for my country lies deep in my heart. For wherever I go, there will always be a place in my heart for my dear land of Guyana. It is the country of my birth, my identity, and my family. It will always be home. It is a country of rich history, heritage, beauty, and culture. We learn to appreciate this early, and we boast and share everywhere we go. Our people are kind, hospitable, humble, and hardworking. Guyana is called the land of many waters. God has blessed us with many natural resources and the beautiful I'm K-A-I-T-E-U-R, Kaitur Falls, is something to see. Our motto, one people, one nation, one destiny, speaks of our history, how our people came together 
to form the rich diversity we have today. Guyana is truly a melting pot of cultures from all over the world. I love my country with all my heart. I thanked her so much for sending that to me, and it's just so beautiful. And it's, it's the reality and, and something that I want us to keep before us is that love of country is real, and it's not specific to America. We, we have people from other countries that love their country. Um, Jason added that one of his favorite things that he loves in his country and misses is the uh, manner in which Christmas is celebrated. And, you know, they are here uh, serving their country as diplomats and, and, and have to miss out on some of the things that they miss and they love. So what is nationalism? And I want to talk about that a moment because America is not the only country that can have a problem with nationalism also, okay? So both realities can be, they're not just specific to America, but here we are, we're in America. But what is nationalism? And specifically for America, what is Christian nationalism? So in our country, it is the belief that our nation was founded as a specifically Christian nation and that it remains the government's responsibility to keep it that way. So that is how Paul Miller, the uh, scholar that I was listening to, says that, defines nationalism. It is an assumption that Christians should own the table of authority. And maybe or maybe not, others might be welcome to the table, but Christians should be given priority placement in all matters of authority and power. Now, here we are serving Jesus. We want his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? But is that something that we desire? Yes. But let's just take this down the road just a couple of steps and think about it a minute. It only takes a few steps to say that only Christians should be in pri- the given priority. They should be in the places of authority and power. But then we would have to begin defining which Christians. Um, what branch of Christianity? Orthodox? Catholic? Protestant? Pentecostal? Um, what level of Christian attributes? Um, I've been told that way back in the 1950s and 60s, in this church, it was preached that you couldn't be a Christian, men, if your hair touched the top of your ear. <laughs> and that you couldn't be a Christian, women, if you were wearing makeup. Um, okay, so... So this was called a holiness kind of teaching, and it's not one that we've ever ascribed to, but people that had been sitting in these pews heard something like that, okay? Um, Which Christian 
should be in the seat of power. Okay? Who defines who is a real Christian? Who gets to decide that? When the ideology of Christian nationalism is embraced and emboldened, it leads to authoritarianism. It has a very narrow stripe of beliefs, and it, this in turn will lead to oppression. This is not the gospel. It is not what we are called to as followers of Jesus. Now, I don't know what you've been hearing on the TV and the social media, and, and, but you may well have some folks out there that not only um, disagree with what I just said, but they would claim to be a Christian nationalist as a badge of honor. And if that's your person that you're into, I'm just telling you as your pastor, we disagree. A telltale sign that we have moved out of patriotism and into nationalism is when we cannot bear criticism directed toward our country. So when I say that even though the founders were influenced greatly by Christian concepts and precepts and that that fed into the way the documents were written and it had a great influence on the, the way our country came together. There were major failures simultaneously within those founders that, had, that would allow slavery to build this nation. There were serious problems with inequity and injustice baked in at the start. And that is a criticism of our nation that I love anyway. Okay? If we are not able to bear that criticism, to, to have a civil conversation about these things, that is a sign that we have moved fully into nationalism and idolatry, that we are worshiping our nation. Should Christians pray for their leaders? Yes. <laughs> That's an absolute scriptural mandate. Uh, should Christians be involved in civic spaces and, and vote according to their beliefs and, and conscience? Yes. Uh, should pastors ever talk about politics? Probably. But this pastor does not believe I should tell you which party is the right one. Because you know why? They are all flawed. And historically, they shift and they change. Nor do I think I should create or allow a culture within our congregation that pits 
our brothers and sisters against each other politically. It's just not supposed to be our main point. It's not supposed to be the main thing. We are Christ's body, and our loves must be ordered according to the gospel, according to the cross of Jesus Christ, who emptied himself and gave up his rights as very God. Philippians 2. If you don't believe that it says that, that's what it says. Are our rights an idol? Our country is a big part of our identity, of our purpose, and our formation. But when we become new creations in Christ, we become citizens of the kingdom of God. We don't lose our national identity, and we still love our country. But it is not country first, as has become a popular political slogan. It is Jesus first. As Rachel saying, let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus that I am primary about. All hail King Jesus. Not from a governmental authoritarian thing. From our Christian hearts where we hail King Jesus. Amen? It is love God, love people, love life. That is what we are called to. It is go, <laughs> make disciples. Not disciples of our national identity or our regional identity. Like I'm not called to go make disciples and teach everybody how to talk Southern, even though I know how to. All I got to do is just drive a few more just a few miles out here and I'm going to be talking Southern, okay? It doesn't, it's easy, but that's not what I'm called to do. I am called to make disciples of Jesus Christ, disciples of the good news. That is what we are about. So how can we be a faithful Christian and love our country and be patriotic? We love the good things. We don't freak out at criticism. We accept the truth when there are things that need to be criticized. In, this, in the talk on Friday, he, you know, he made the point, once your government is, is doing something that is definitely not according to the way it ought to be, who's more patriotic? And so that, you know, it's, it's a cliche anymore for a, an example to come from Nazi Germany, but it's true. Who was the more patriotic? The, 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 the officers in the Nazi apparatus or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who stood up and spoke against that? Who was more patriotic? Who truly loved their country more? And we would look back and say, the ones that wanted the, to, to not move into fascism and, and Nazism, the ones that wanted their country to remain a place where people could flourish and live and be free. 
Amen? Amen. So a, a final thing that uh, Richard Mao brought out, he, he said when he, because he wrote a book on, um, I, I, think his, I think his book is called How to Be a Patriotic Christian. But one of the researches he did was looking at all the patriotic hymns and the, the songs that are written. And, and, he's, and he, he was like, you know, it, it, it proves that what it is saying is this reality of, of the love of our natural beauty, the love of the ideal, the love of the principles. And so I've got the lyrics here of America the Beautiful. And I just want you to think for a moment as you hear these and allow your love of your country to swell up in you. It's okay. But with a sense of gratefulness. What Paul Miller said was patriotism should be rooted in gratefulness, not pride. The, the, the phrase that, you know, we're very familiar with because it's a famous song, proud to be, I'm proud to be an American. When you think about that, why would I, I, I did nothing. I did absolutely nothing to deserve to be an American. But I'm sure grateful. I am grateful that we are here this morning free to worship. No fear of persecution. No fear of, of any issue keeping us from freely worshiping God. Amen? But gratefulness. So I want you to let, allow the gratefulness to grow. So here's the lyrics. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. O oh, beautiful for pilgrim feet whose stern impassioned stress, a thoroughfare for freedom beat across the wilderness. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control and thy liberty in law. O oh, beautiful for heroes proved in liberating strife who more than self their country loved and mercy more than life. America, America, may God thy gold refine till all success be nobleness and every gain divine. O oh, beautiful for patriot dream that sees beyond the years. Thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Let's pray.
We need you, oh God. And as your church, please forgive any ways that we have, instead of cooperating with your kingdom, living your kingdom principles, have instead adopted the ways of the world and become idolatrous. Oh God, please forgive us. We are grateful for our country. And I am grateful for the other countries represented in this congregation and for the love that th those people have for their country. And I pray that we will be able to order our loves properly and love our country in the way that you've called us to, that we would be good citizens, that we would be faithful, but we would love you first with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourself, that we would join you in mission because you've never left us. You're with us to the end of the age. Help us repair the wrongs that have been done in our nation. Forgive us, oh God. Help us to choose better as we go forward. In Jesus' name. As you move through this week, I, I want to encourage you to, you know, a lot of people in November start a gratefulness journal or, you know, what are you being grateful for? I want you to include your country this week as you, um, if you haven't voted yet, if you're, if you're voting, if you're um, acknowledging Veterans Day, just other ways of, of paying attention to our country and yet not being, um, I'm going to use the word sucked in <laughs> to the Christian nationalism line. And the reason I'm going to use that is because I've been very close in my life. And I listened to another uh, talk yesterday of a, a guy named David French, you may know him. He's a super, super well-known conservative that has been for years and years and years like on the front lines of a lot of conservative issues, especially around pro-life. But he was confessing that there are things now that he looks back and, and wishes he had done differently sees where there were blind spots, sees where there were things he wasn't paying attention to. And he's gotten a lot of um, vicious criticism because of his being willing to make that admission. And um, so I, I, I stand in line with him. 
I stand in line and say, I know over the years, it's just, it's like this very powerful force and, and a blurry line. And, and I appreciated the talk that on Friday that, that acknowledged that, that, that people of goodwill are often challenged with where is the line between being a good patriotic Christian and moving over into nationalism and, and idolatry. So I, I, but I really, really believe that part of the answer is gratitude. If we will learn to ha- be thankful and merciful and compassionate to others, uh, this, is, this is the posture that I want to encourage here. This is the culture I want to see our church growing in, gratefulness and, and compassion. Hope that's helpful. It's just been a pastoral moment, not necessarily a run-to-the-altar kind of message, but I want you to be prepared for dealing with uh, what's culturally going on for us. And so let's go out with a blessing. Let's stand together. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.